Today's episode of Beef Station is brought to you by door handles. Sometimes doors are closed and you need them open. That's where we come in. Door handles. Say goodbye to closed doors and walk forwards into the future. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Beef Station. Beef Station, episode six, coming at you with Oscar and Andrew. Andy, Andrew. All right. That's my full name. (laughs) Don't dox me. How's it going, boy? Here we are again. Yeah, good, man. Despite popular opinion, we're we're back at it. We're persisting. (laughs) Despite the audience preference. (laughs) (laughs) Like, guys, the sound quality you have is not good. If you could keep the sound quality up by just not recording anything, (laughs) that'd be be better. Preserve silence, huh? How about that? Silence (laughs) is is perfect. (laughs) Got a bit of a change of pace from last week. For those of you who've tuned in, last week was our horror spectacular, our spooktacular. Thank you for being brave and coming back anyway. Yeah, that's we right. We commend you. Yeah. So this week, Incredibles 2 came out. I think it was Incredibles this week. 2, yeah. yeah, it was yeah, this yeah. Week. Oh, yeah. if not this week, then last week. Whatever. Yeah. Um, my hesitation was about whether or not it would be stupid to actually bother to focus on that detail. But, um, <laughs> and, and by the time we re- release this episode, it will have been another week ago. Yeah, so, so just to be yeah. very specific. <laughs> um, yeah, so opened uh, to, I think, pretty high acclaim. Um, it's doing pretty well, I think. So we thought that what we would do is we would uh, kind of take the same approaches with the Oceans movies and go back and look at the one that started it all 14 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> was the Oceans also 14 years? Uh, oh, we should have looked it up. That'd be incredible well, if it was. there's only three Let's years between yes. 8 and How's 11. How's that with so sizzling so. beef station magic? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, so we thought what we'd do this week is uh, watch the films and then discuss them. <laughs> <laughs> so we just watched uh, Incredibles 1. We went and watched yeah. Incredibles 2 a couple of days ago. Watched them in the non-canon order. <laughs> Just to see sequel. if they teased any little sneaky references to Incredibles 2 and Incredibles 1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. Should we hit it straight out of the gate with yeah, I think so. a bit of, a bit of chat on Incredibles 2? Uh I actually my vote is I I think we should start with Incredibles 1. But what do, what do, what do you think of the film? What are your first impressions of it? Oh, I thought it was incredible. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Thanks for listening for another week. Roll the outro <laughs> music. That's us. <laughs> Yeah, we're done. Pack it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay. Incredibles 1, uh, directed by Brad Bird, who yeah. uh, I can't be fucked to read through this extensive list of Pixar films, but I'm pretty sure... Okay, no, he did other stuff. So, he also directed Ratatouille, and he worked on some other stuff. It seems like he's been a writer for some other stuff as well. Yeah, so, yeah. he's had, so like, a helping hand in the Pixar involved. production house for a bit. Yeah. So but I think it seems he, like this is the yeah, first... Yeah, he did the screenplay for Ratatouille. Yeah. yeah. And so, we've, we've got the screen, we've got the Wikipedia page for all the Pixar films up here, and what we noticed... So, if you want to play game, along at home, just make sure you... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's www. <laughs> so what we noticed straight out of the gate um, with the the list of who directed and who wrote and who was the producer for all these films is that for all the other Pixar films, it's like here's a list of a couple people that co-directed maybe or a director and they're like four writers and these different people here. But for The Incredibles, it's the first the first movie out of like six movies that Pixar did where it's one guy doing all the writing, yeah. all the directing. Brad like Bird is, is doing the work yeah. of like the eight people that preceded him on every other Pixar film yeah, yeah. Uh, on, on The Incredibles. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That was a little unclear. Brad, Brad Pitt wrote and directed only The Incredibles 1. Brad, he didn't write... Brad Bird. Brad, fuck. <laughs> How many times have I said Brad Pitt? I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. No. It's Ocean's um, greatest trick but, yet. You, you asked me what I thought. I thought, it was, I thought it was really good, and I definitely enjoyed it. But going and Do watching... Do you remember what you thought of it at the time? Because obviously, this came out in 2004, so we, we had both seen it as children. So we were both, um, what, in, in year five... Something like that, yeah. No, I, like... I, have, I have no memory. I don't even know whether I saw it at the cinema or not. I reckon you definitely would have. I wonder if we had it on VHS. Man, that's yeah, a fact probably. we could have looked up. Yeah, right. oh, now, I think that something interesting thinking about going back and watching old Pixar films is you don't really notice how much they've improved. There's this huge yeah. incremental improvement. So we yeah. watched Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2 has all these tiny little details and textures that you really notice. Yeah. And then going back and watching Incredibles 1, you're like, oh, fuck. So it's been like, yeah, the quality of the animation and yeah, all the textures exactly. that they use and that and sort so, of stuff is just so, vastly better. So, yeah. Noticing, yeah, so noticing Incredibles 2, you're like, oh, they got the they got the little blades of grass there. Cool. And then you go yeah. back and look at Incredibles and like 1 and you're, the, like, and you're like, oh, fuck. Who cares about the gray blades of grass? Look at everything. Yeah. It's oh. like in Incredibles 2, it, you can see that they have like pores and skin tone yeah. and shit. Whereas in this one, every character just looks like they're made of like skin color. Plasticine. And the lighting's all fucked. It's just like, yeah, it looks. It's funny because my brain mm. now in 
interprets these old Pixar films as like closer to 2D animation than to 3D models. Well, the, the, one of the first things I noticed when the, the film opened up is that everything kind of looks like an old PlayStation game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I remember I had this old Spider-Man game and you'd be sort of slinging through the city and all the buildings. Yeah. But if you actually look at it, it's like four buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With lot, like obscuring fog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of shots in... Incredibles 1, where Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl are sort of on the rooftops, and there isn't that much going on. It's kind no, of sparse. No, it's very, yeah. And the lighting's all flat. It, it just makes it look kind of shitty. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer, but I thought that something I really loved about Incredibles 1, that's something that's definitely worth going back and watching that I didn't remember, was how funny it was. Yeah, yeah, it for sure. brilliant, dry humour. Yeah. That I definitely feel like would have been one of the great things that Pixar does, where they sort of leave something in for the adults. Yeah. But it's not just like a political joke, like, tee-hee. Like, the whole film, I was thoroughly entertained the whole way yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, it's a very well written film. Yeah, like it doesn't yeah, really feel funny. like a kid's film. Like, you know, like it's definitely like, I'm not like, I wasn't sitting through any scenes being like, well, this is this bit's for the fucking kids. Like you would be in like some it's other It's not film. a kid's only film for sure. Yeah, I guess but I mean, like having watched it with kids a lot. <laughs> just to be clear, Oscar, we did just spend four hours watching children's movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, no, because I, like, I worked in childcare and yeah, the, I've, I've watched this film around groups of kids a lot. Yeah, you were saying you've um, seen it like 15 times at least. Just a disappointing number of times, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's, not, it's nice to know that childcare these days has upped their game because we were saying a few weeks ago how... Um, the only DVDs we used to have was like Shrek and the Princess Bride, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, I think you just had shit shark. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. were saying how every childcare they keep you in a cage in a big dust bowl. Yeah. They, <laughs> they feed they you the chips through and... the grills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that that first bit about um, about the film. Harking <laughs> uh, back. Um, because I think the um, what's interesting about The Incredibles 1 is, is that, um, and this isn't really abnormal for Disney, but I mean, it's, it's something that you kind of forget how good they are at doing, yeah, yeah. is their establishing act is, is so strong in this film. Everyone listening to this should have seen The Incredibles. Yeah, but like but I, did, I didn't remember any of it. Like yeah. watching it, it was kind of familiar. I'm like, oh yeah, this scene, but I remembered nothing. So I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't go as straight. Okay, give us a little give it a tiny little bit of context. Yeah. So Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, it starts off uh, interviewing the three characters, so Mr. and Mrs. Incredible and Frozone, um, and they're doing like clearly like a news report or something like that, um, yeah. or an interview. Uh, and then it cuts to them sort of fighting crime, and uh, it's Mr. and Mrs. Incredible going around the city separately, and then they mm. meet up because they both try to go after the same robber. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you get the superhero persona, right? And then it immediately cuts to... Bob and Helen Parr, so their secret identity persona, after all the shit has happened and they, they need to go underground. Mm. Yeah. And then they get married, all the shit happens, they have to settle down. And so that's where the film kind of really kicks off. Is yeah. that they, it's, it's 15 years after all that and they have to try and lead normal lives. Yeah. So I think what's interesting is that it, it starts off by establishing their superhero personas and then we, so we get familiar with them in that way. Um, Do you think it's interesting that it shows you them as superheroes first? Yeah, no, this really is, yeah, yeah. I think it really is because set up we, the fact that like this is who they think of themselves as, and this is who they sort of feel most comfortable. Yeah, as. definitely, especially Bob, because yeah. you can he, the whole film is about him kind of lusting after the glory days. So what we get is we get a brief flash of that glory, and then it's yeah. kind of pulled out from under us, and he has to work at the insurance company. And right? then when he's stuck in his insurance company job, there's a lot of stuff where you really sort of it's sort of subtly showing you, oh Bob doesn't fit in. Like he has the cubicle where like half his cubicle is yeah, taken up also, by like a structural like a mountain of a dude. Yeah, yeah like a structural beam. So yeah. he physically is not fitting in the cubicle. Yeah, yeah. And then like his tiny car and everyone else has these beautiful old sort of whatever they are, Chevys or something. Yeah. He's, he doesn't interact with the the, the ordinary world mm. very easily. So I think what's what's really strong about this, this the opening of yeah. this film is that it, it establishes a superhero persona and then their, their home par persona and how they have to fit in. Yeah. But then what it also does is it immediately brings in the children, Dash and Violet. And what's what's so great about those characters is that they mm. really embody the the struggle between the super and the ordinary because what we get is we get a scene of them in their home just they're just violet and dash they don't have superhero personas yeah. but they do have powers so what we get is we get these children who are totally representative of the struggle between the two personas that we just saw established because these kids were born into that they didn't have to start off super and then become Ordinary, right? Yeah. You forget how good Pixar are at setting up a story. Yeah. You know, because you barely even notice it when you're watching the film. But when you go back and look at, oh, it's so clever that they kind of showed this, mm. and then we got a brief flash of that, so we felt this way about that and, character. And it's a lot and about it's a lot about that show, show don't tell efficiency in storytelling, yeah, where they so show efficient. you this thing that makes you feel this way, and then immediately when it comes back like an hour later and 
Violet. It's like, I just want to be normal or whatever. Yeah. You, you totally get it. You're and like, it's oh, yeah, been consistent throughout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I reckon for me, The Incredibles 1 is about the struggle for those characters to assimilate into an ordinary society and to kind of blend in. Yeah. And also, th- they only need to do that because there's this big disparity between like what's morally right and mm. what's socially acceptable. Yeah. Right? The, so I- the is... idea being that they want to go out and be superheroes and like save people, but yeah. it's illegal and they're not allowed to. Yeah. And it's illegal because they're doing... It's funny because the government is like trying to shut down their actions because they every time they save people they also there's collateral damage I guess yeah um, and so instead of actually trying to go after the the kind of criminals and the solve the problem the government is just more interested in shutting down the obvious superhero movement yeah um, so yeah I think uh, th- it's really interesting the way that they kind of use the superhero framework to look at that question of like well you can take action in a society that is clearly the right thing to be doing but that yeah. the society doesn't have a place for so they try and stop you from doing it it's nice that they paint these portraits of characters and put them in situations where you really understand who they are in subtle ways and I think it's mm. definitely important mm. in a kids film like Bob, Bob doesn't ever stand up and like be like I want to do what's right like yeah. it shows him like speaking through his actions, which yeah. is a nice change of ways. I think we've had a couple films in a row where we just haven't liked it because they've yeah, it's very direct. Fuck that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of exposition um, and stuff. Yeah, so it's nice to have a film where they they do a really nice job. But it's nice that mm. Pixar has been so reliable with films like that. They're always they're yeah. always pretty good. I mean, it's sort of a disappointment when they don't manage to hit that bar. You know, with Pixar films, like we sort of come to expect that they will do that excellent, high quality. Um, yeah, that must be stressful the, as fuck. Too. Oh yeah, and that's why. They, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But then yeah. you notice sometimes that like they take the Pixar branding off films. So I think Cars yeah. Three technically wasn't a Pixar film. Yeah, and it was made a by Disney an film. external studio or something. Oh, like it that. might yeah. have even I don't know. I mean, Disney owns everything, so it's probably made by <laughs> the same people chained to well, their contract. The, their the contract companies studios. or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But but and, like Planes wasn't a Pixar. So it has the same kind of art style, but it's not a Pixar film. Yeah, so they because they're like we yeah. don't, we're not affiliated with that. <laughs> makes you wonder whether they sort of come affiliated Makes you wonder whether they sort of come to fit a film they're like oh no nah, yeah is- like at what, <laughs> what stage do they decide that the pixar branding can or can't go on a film yeah <laughs> how late in the production process yeah no i thought it was so this came out in 2004 and i reckon this was kind of in the i'll give myself a really big out here in the same decade as a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of the x-men films that we were talking about earlier and that sort of that, sure well you know how there, so there were comic books and shit but no one had made Marvel hadn't gotten yeah. into making the movies yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that I'm not sure when the first X Men films came out, but there's a definite theme here that's I similar. I think it was in the same decade as The Incredibles. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> That'd be a wild uh, assertion to make. Yeah. That's Especially in a public forum. And also a very loose frame to give yourself. Like, you yeah, got a lot of wiggle room. There. Sorry, no, no yeah. keep going. So th- I think there's a lot of parallels between like the mutants being cast out of society, despite the fact that a lot of them trying to do the right thing. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think it's it's. I just thought it was an interesting parallel, and that seems to be a common theme because I don't think that the second one does that nearly as much. It's almost sort of an issue that maybe they've moved on from a little bit. Well, no, no. I think half the point of the second one is the same kind of like trying to legalize superheroes and people not wanting any anything about it, and mm. they're different kind of things. I mean, maybe the difference of them isn't necessarily as heavily emphasized, but I definitely think it's still a strong theme in both films. Because, I mean, I mean yeah, both films are literally theme. about them trying to legalize superheroes again. Yeah. So I reckon in I I think this first well, one. Yeah. Because like uh, you, there's a lot of there's a really heavy tone at the start of this one with um, one of the things that really I think the thing that the straw that um, breaks the camel's back in this one is is uh, Mr. Incredible saving the jumping man and he ends up like breaking his neck and the guy yeah. would have died or yeah. uh, whatever um, but he ends up just injuring him and he's in permanent suffering because of that. Now you mm. would argue right, okay, why is the society not trying to make this man not jump off a building? <laughs> but they're more interested in defending or in maintaining the legal process of being able yeah. to sue the person who interfered with the suicide. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I felt like this film kind of um, uh, established uh, establishes the dynamic of like superheroes versus legality and bureaucracy. Let me tell you, if we were running Municiburg, things would be a little bit different. Is that what it's called? It's called Municiburg. Oh, it's on the side of all the trains and the buses. It's literally as if someone was like, hey, Brad, what should we call the city? 
Oh, uh, fucking municip- mu- just use municipal oh. and we'll change it later Fuck. and then they'd like you know printed the reels and everything and big reels and they're being shipped out to studios yeah. <laughs> they're like hey Brad what'd you change the city to it's like oh, did the- oh, oh, d- oh. fuck yeah <laughs> that, is, that is a bit of a first draft name because then it's um. it's really heavily emphasized in the second one a lot more because it's like the mayor of Municipeg opening up the new floating train or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and so they say it says Municipeg everywhere and I wonder if they sort of went back to it they're sort of getting ready to sort of draft up the scripts and the storyboards for the second where they're like, well, we called it Municipeg? Yeah, <laughs> like Brad's <laughs> going back over his old shit and he's like, he's like, blows the dust off the book and it's like, what fucking Municipeg? That Why? can't be right. There's no way I would have named it No, what, what, what would we have changed What was the actual to? name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This must be an earlier draft. Because it barely, it shows it like once on a bus. So yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Something I noticed in The Incredibles 1 and The Incredibles 2 was how much of like a weird 40s, 50s kind of aesthetic it had. And oh, I, yeah. I, I actually had, had no never remembered that yeah. until then. It's And it's big too. Like every yeah. single... There's there's so much of this that takes place in like this fantastic art deco mm. city and metropolis. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily yeah. as clear in the first one. In the first one, for example, you see people driving all these beautiful old cars like you might see in like 50s Mad Men type I think it's stuff. a lot more understated in yeah. the first one. So in the second one, there's a lot of like CRT TVs and Jetsons and <laughs> Inspired looking space yeah. agey, space agey. You know the fifties idea of space age yeah, kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. like ray Neo guns and that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting that they blend. So it's not all fifties and sixties no, type yeah. tech. They yeah. definitely kind of like Archer, the cartoon. They use what feels does. right. Yeah, yeah. And so it feels yeah. more like because I was talking about it with Callum. We were talking about how maybe they're not doing that to set it in the fifties. It's more of one of those things where they're like, right, well, if there's no clear time frame, you get this really nice little setting that's interesting to look at, mm, but also it means mm. they can do whatever the fuck they want with technology. There's also really interesting, <laughs> like they, they went to, I know in the first one, I'm not sure about the second one, but I read an, I read an essay about the architecture in The Incredibles. <laughs> And uh, their house is actually. Whoa, whoa, sorry, you're 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 thinking on quite a deep level about the Incredibles. <laughs> sorry, I'll try not to do that for any future episodes. Keep but, it nice and shallow, so boy. Like the family... beef station listeners aren't going to be able to follow <laughs> what you're talking just about. Want, yeah, just want bloody, just want serviceable gags. That's when all are they going to get back to interrupting each other? <laughs> all right, yeah. So the family house is a very famous 50s design called an Ames house. And it's that, mm. it's that it, look at Google what an e- E-A-M-E-S um, house. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about it the other so day. So there's yeah. slope, it's houses that start on, higher on the outside and then slope right into the middle. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Like, that, actually, it's not interesting at all. <laughs> um, but like, if you fuck up the design and it ever rains, your roof will collapse in on itself. So they were very difficult and temperamental houses to build, but they were huge in the 50s. Right. And they've taken, it's, I think it's just interesting that the first one, it's so understated that even the family home is like, an Ames house, but no one goes outside and is like, look is at this, Ames house, look Mr. at this, Incredible? 50 style Ames house, isn't that a beautiful thing? Wow, what a lovely aesthetic. It's a good They're thing you like, built that, right? Because if you hadn't built the roof just so, the rain would have slept, oh, well yeah, done. Exactly. So in fitting with the setting around you. <laughs> it's a sub-episode of Grand Designs right in the middle of everything. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's interesting. I felt like in the first one, you're right. I, th- I felt like yeah. the setting was a lot more like, this is when it's set, this is the tech that they had, these are the cars they had, this is the house in the first they had. One. Yeah. Well, no, because then you get the guy building the AI robots and everything. Sorry, are we doing spoilers for Incredibles 1? <laughs> no, you get the guy no, building totally all the... No, right. I agree with you yeah, completely. I'm totally the, wrong. All the AI spider robots. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. They have... Um, like the guns that shoot is sort of material yeah, that can yeah, yeah. expand. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like right. the, the the sort of holographic screens and things. Yeah, so I totally hadn't the, thought about that. Yeah, and so, yeah. Well, how about you fucking take a second to think about the film we're talking about. I no, should have read an um, essay on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, So there's like a whole weird mix of modern and old technology mm, which I thought was mm, really cool. Mm. So like in the second one... And you don't really... I, I think it's testament to the fact that I didn't notice until you pointed it out that you just don't notice that. Yeah. And it, so, just, it feels yeah, really right. And yeah. it just gives you this cute little world so it's mm. not just all modern. And I think as well it's kind of, you know, harking back to the whole horror movie, the modern horror movie trope. You know, like, oh, why didn't the character just get out his smartphone? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think that sort of not having a very clear idea of what technology they might have where it's this weird mix mm. means that it's kind of an interesting world to get to sink into because you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, like no they idea have jets of... and GPSs, yeah, but also they don't exactly. have mobile phones. And like he has jet boots and shit, yeah. And so, so there's yeah. no clear rules to the world, which also means you're not sitting there being like, well, no, why don't, why don't they just, you know, do that? Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah. I think is really cool. And I yeah. think it's kind of the reason why Archer does that stuff as well. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Is so that you can't just be like, well, why don't they just do this? Yeah. Because they have but like weird computers in their cars. I but think they it also must have, be like, difficult to do stuff. in a way where people, where it's not obvious and where people aren't like, well, they didn't have that shit around back then. Well, the fact that you Because you can't have it. a character say, like, yeah. 
Well, like I've got this cell phone that wouldn't have existed at the same time as this other car would have existed. <laughs> well, I think like, that's the whole point of mixing the technology. Yeah, you get yeah, this yeah. beautiful sense of style yeah. and it's kind of convenient for the But I guess my, my point is that it doesn't feel like well. it's... It doesn't feel like they don't belong together. Yeah. It well, feels like one point in time, but you've got uh, technology from... I think it kind of feels a bit timeless, which I think is... Yeah, cool. I think two sides of the same coin, right? Yeah, I, I agree with you, but also I'm, I think it makes it feel like a consistent universe rather yeah, than multiple exactly. slices of our universe. Yeah. But do, I, I think it would be very easy to fuck that up mm. where, you know, like a, the, a character pulls up in their 1950s car and they pull out an iPhone and it's like, right, well, why haven't they invented new cars yet? I don't know if this is going to segue well into what you were just saying, so sorry yeah. if that totally fucks that up, but I have a question for you. I think that Incredibles 1 is about superheroes versus legal processes, or like so societal processes. <laughs> sure. right? What do you think The Incredibles 2 is superheroes versus? Because I think it's superheroes, not the same thing. Well, no, I disagree. Incredibles 2 was about the legal process. Half the fucking thing is about how they, they want to do what they want, but they're just trying to legalize. And it's the whole, like, the main business guy, Bob Odenkirk's character that tries to put out a... a, a, a sort of reaches out to try and help Mr. Incredible and mm. Elastigirl mm. when the superhero is illegal. He sort of tries to help them legalize it. Right. Um, so I think the whole, I think the film is kind of, maybe I think the first one more, there's no sort of society kind of element to the first one. I don't really think. It kind of, it seems like the superheroes become a legal setup at the start just so that they can have them not be super, but it's anymore. a very thin frame. Yeah, because that yeah. never happens. The rest of the film is kind of more like a family dynamic kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. So yeah. I think the re- the first film is really more like a family kind of film, like the exploration of a family unit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I right. think the second film is more where you sort of open it up and you discover the rest of the world, right? That's and the rest of like society and politics impact on the Incredibles, which doesn't sound like a very engaging kids film, but I think it makes it a great sequel. Right. It okay. does everything a sequel does, where you sort of discover more about this world and they show you new things and. Yeah, no, I... I th- so, it's interesting, because I would have said it's more about... Um, one thing that it doesn't... You barely touch on in the first film is yeah. media. But in the second one, that right. is literally the whole establishing device. They have to wear, like, the body cams, which is echoing a lot of the stuff that's going on in the States at the moment. Yeah. Where police have to wear body cams and stuff. And I feel like with this whole, like, fake news thing that's mm. going on in, in the world at the moment... Um, they really like took that and ran with it in terms of right. Well, so we've got this a dynamic of like superheroes not belonging in a society, and yeah. you know trust in these kind of institutions is very low. So why don't we combine those two things and we say right? So superheroes can s- sort of regain their trust in society through media and PR attention and that sort of thing. So it, and it's interesting because that just totally wasn't in the first one. So that would have been my answer to that question. But it's interesting because I hadn't. <laughs> I hadn't yeah. thought about that idea of a family unit, really. Yeah. Um, although I do agree that that is generally the dominant thing in the in the in the first film. Yeah. Good. Good. Something I thought was interesting that kind of reminded me. I was watching this film and it reminded me of something I saw on Reddit this week. Um, uh oh. <laughs> He's pulling out the phone, ladies and gents. <laughs> something I saw on Reddit. This it reminded me of something I saw on Reddit this week. Was what? What's that? Is that? Oh, incel. Oh. <laughs> So, um, this reminded me of something I saw on Reddit this week, where they were talking about how Nintendo making their games more suitable for children and more appealing for children somehow makes them more creative. And they were talking about, because um, okay. c- they were saying, for example, um, oh, let's let's make an ap- a post-apocalyptic shooter. And it had a picture of like Left 4 Dead and Fallout 4 and some other fucking game. And they all kind of look the same. It's just like brown worlds yeah, yeah. and zombies and shit. And I didn't realize Splatoon... It's like a Nintendo yeah. game with like squids that shoot each yeah, other. It's yeah. also set in like a post-apocalyptic world yeah. where squids have taken over, and it's so bright and colorful. Yeah, and they were talking it's about squids how... with paintball guns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they were talking about how like it's like Nintendo saying, "Oh, well, we want to make a an online multiplayer shooter, shooter yeah. but how do we make that for kids?" And they were saying how in order to sort of cater it and make it more entertaining and engaging and suitable for kids, shooting in Splatoon, for example, isn't the aim. It's like a means to an end because your paintball. Is just supposed to cover, have to the, cover world. the most. And like, sure, you can shoot people, world, yeah. but that's not the point. And yeah, they were saying yeah, yeah. as well, like Mario Kart, it's like a racing game, but they give you go karts and they give you turtle shells to throw at people. So it's yeah. kind of cute and it's different mm. and it's kind of inspired by perhaps making it more friendly for the whole family. And yeah, right. Another one, if you want a third example, is they were talking about Super Smash Brothers and about how it's a fighting game, but you're not trying to deplete someone's health by you're trying to knock them out of the world. Yeah, right. So it's so it's another sort of innovative, unique little way that mm. like their, their mm. take mm. on normal gaming tropes have their quirks. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting 
when Mr. Incredible is breaking into the base, for example, instead of him triggering the security system or like machine guns popping out and it's shooting him, killing him, they were yeah. like these weird sticky bubble things that it was yeah. really cool and sort of every little twist and turn in the base that he encountered, you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's great. Mm. And I wonder whether you would have been able to, like if this was an adult's film, it might not have done that. One thing that I, I think you don't really <laughs> notice in terms of that, the... the elements that they're bringing into it is that this is close to James Bond yeah it has a, a really great it's James re- Bond yeah. kind of theme like, they've taken that even the music it. kind of sounds the, very James Bondy the, I think that's one of the main ways that it uses I it I thought yeah. the scene that most recalled James Bond stuff for me was when he arrives on the island yeah and the gadget ship the gadget ship but like yeah. the, the plane zooming down and he arrives in the hotel and, he's got, and it's like, like he's like wearing the, a suit and he's got like a cocktail yeah 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 and, and he yeah. has a sort of coastal view it's sort of it's very, it's I, very don't, I don't have an example but kind of feels like Dr. No or something like that yeah definitely yeah um yeah, no, really James Bondy kind of thing, which I thought was great and kind of tied in with the the fifties definitely kind of definitely, feel. Definitely, definitely. Um, which thinking about it now, kind of maybe is a harken back to that sort of you know that golden age of comic books superheroes kind of thing. Yeah, and all the old yeah. Batman and Spider Man type stuff was all set in that era. Yeah, perhaps that's kind of what they're harking back to and paying tribute to there. Yeah, here's a better segue. Um, <laughs> so you were saying that you felt like um, if they uh, you felt like aiming at more at kids makes them forced to innovate more because yeah. they need to find clever, cleverer ways to convey the same ideas. Yeah. How do you feel about The Incredibles 2 in terms of its appeal to children as opposed to the one that you just watched? Well, I think, because we were talking about that off air, mm. the idea that there were a lot of scenes in Incredibles 2 where you noticed it and you were like, oh, well, is this... Is this a kid's film? So like they're sort of like there was a whole scene where she was talking about this business one with yeah. marketing and sort of conversation s- on the couch with whiskey. Yeah, like suppl- yeah, literally sitting on a actually, couch actually at a cocktail party whiskey. with whiskey talking. It was about strange to supply- see people drinking yeah. hard liquor in a fucking Disney. Yeah. Film. <laughs> like talking about film, supply yeah. and demand and that kind of shit. Yeah. A lot of little gags where I don't even know whether I because w- I didn't notice as many adulty jokes where I was like, Oh, that's too technical for a kid. Yeah. But like she got this new electric motorcycle in number two. Yep. And Bob's like, electric? What does that mean? And she's like, oh, it means it's got a lot to talk. I'm like, well, do you have to, do you have to yeah. explain the... It's like, I the, barely know the, what the, talk the, is. The yeah. physics of, a, of, of an electric motor? It's a, kid, it's a kid's film. Yeah. Or maybe that was one of those things where it's kind of maybe set in the 50s. And so Bob's like, electric? What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could Which been. is cool. I'm not sure. Because um, I just saw that as like, oh, Bob's an idiot. But... Um, yeah, yeah and, and just the whole idea with the whole plot of the film in the second one was about specifically the cultural non-acceptance of superheroes yeah. as um, some sort of xenophobic thing yep. and then the businessman wanting to <laughs> lobby world leaders from around the world yep. to change legislation. Let's was be like, clear. Like, lobby Angela Merkel. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't actually the German ambassador yeah. that looks very much like Angela Merkel. Well, yeah. And so like it was literally like half the film was like a lobbying politicians to change legislation yeah. plot. It was, Which it, was really weird. Yeah. And, and it's funny because... Like, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I, I, I think we should have... We yeah. should have had a guest seven-year-old on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if... Um, I wonder if they... Welcome to episode six of Beef Station. You're here with Oscar, Andrew, and Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> I did feel, as an adult, like this felt like less of a kid's movie. Incredibles yeah. 2. And I well, wonder if that's because they knew that the first audience was now 14 years older. Well, yeah, and exactly. And didn't need and to aim it as much. Well, thinking about it now, yeah, I think that, especially since when we went back to it, because if we were sort of nine or eight or something, we'll be watching Incredibles 1. Yep. I don't think it's very likely that there are many sort of nine-year-olds today that have seen The Incredibles. Mm. Because there are so many animated movies. And we look back, this this movie doesn't look great, the first one. No. The first one doesn't look that great. Yeah, and I yeah. imagine as a kid... If I mean, one it of looks those... great at the time, but... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, today, it doesn't look that great. And so as a kid, yeah. you might not have enough patience to sort of get through it enough. So you're saying that kids of today won't bother catching up with the first one? I don't think they might just be familiar with it. So I think perhaps the okay. reason why the second one is so much more adult and so much more, has so, so many more different weird little quirks to the plot where we're like, is this for kids? Is mm. perhaps because the, it's not really for kids. Yeah, because I feel like the storyline of this one is much harder for a kid to lock onto. Like yeah. exactly what you were saying, where Again, it's about maybe that. Maybe we're not giving them enough credit, but I, de- I yeah. definitely think that yeah. it feels a lot more adult. Well, if we could talk, um, if we're sort of moving into Incredibles 2 chat now. Yeah, sure. Um, of course, as with all Pixar films, it starts with a little short. And oh, I yeah, thought, try, I yeah. I was just as per usual, this, yeah. this short was so good. Yeah. So it's called Bow. Yep, as in... And Asian little, dumpling. Little dumpling yep. things. And I couldn't really tell if it was supposed to be China or Japan. I guess maybe China. I think it was Chinese. Yeah. Okay, fine. So it's this like little little Chinese family. It's this sort of old Chinese woman making really doubling down in China. Yeah, Chinese in China, woman making they were both Chinese dumplings. Chinese, they had <laughs> Chinese faces. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, Chinese Canadian. <laughs> oh, fuck, actually. That's interesting. Okay, I just looked up the Wikipedia thing. Chinese Canadian, so apparently it's not based in <laughs> where, where, China. Where Where's the Canadian she bit? was Canadian. I guess the, the girlfriend is blonde. <laughs> it, that's, about as, that's about as deep as they go on that. Really? <laughs> yeah. No fucking maple syrup showing up in the post. Would you like some more maple syrup on your park bow, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like a little a little short about this woman who makes a little bow dumpling that then comes to life. Yeah. And she has a little, you know, treats this little dumpling like a kid and the, the little dumpling man it sort grows of grows arms and legs yeah, and starts kind walking of, around. Kind of like crying. the magic pudding. It sort of goes through puberty and everything and then yeah. <laughs> turns into like a little grumpy teenager yeah, bow a and grows a shit bow. <laughs> grows a shitty little bow goatee. <laughs> And then hangs out with his cool friends. Yeah. Um, it was great. And it turned, in, in classic Pixar style, it turned so dark within like two minutes. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Yep. Um, which I thought was really cool. And this is definitely one of the moments where I think a lot of these shorts are used for the animators to really sort of go, look what oh, we can do. Yeah, definitely. Like you get like yep. all the steam They're and all like tech the demos, f- yeah. flower dusting on the steam the surface of the dough. Yep. His, oh, um, his animation reminded me a lot of the uh, the robot from Big Hero 6. If yeah. you've seen it, he's like this big balloon thing. Yeah. So yeah, I reckon... Which yeah, must have been really difficult like to do. Yeah. <laughs> and the little, little, lots of cute little jokes, like um, he slams the door and goes into his room and there's a little bow and crossbones. Yeah, it's like his head <laughs> is a bow, yeah. And it's something we've seen the last couple times in the last movies we've seen is when the movie actually starts and you get like a studio logo, but it's somehow different and it's like a customized studio logo for the film. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we're in for a good time. Yeah. So in this case, it was like an Incredibles-ized Disney castle. Yeah. And it looked really cool and yeah, kind yeah. of like... I reckon, is that the... F- I, I'm probably wrong here, but I feel yeah. like that's the first time they fucked with the Disney logo that Again, much. I don't know. I seem to remember the Disney castle maybe being once like a green haunted house covered in green smoke and shit yeah. for maybe, I don't know, Night at the Museum 4 or something. And for no, like I don't Tangled, know. it might have been um, the the Tangled Tower or maybe not, in the no, middle. I don't know. I don't know but <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Is there, um, so, you've, so, so you just, I looked, just up looked up what, up short... what the, yeah, the short was before The Incredibles 1. Bounden. I remember Bounden. Bounden. That yeah, one was so great. It had a little you, song and everything. cast your mind back, it's it's a film featuring a sheep living in the American West. It's sort of bouncing. Bounden, Bounden. Now that was good. Yeah. That was really good his coat and all the animals laugh at him and then well they, I don't want to go back and watch that so I remember it looking great and I don't want to oh, go back and be like oh, Bounden's not as great as yeah. you <laughs> Bounden's not the cinematic masterpiece you remember it being yeah oh man so it's something that I really felt in Incredibles 2 and you sort of see it in Incredibles 1 but in Incredibles 2 it's like way way more emphasized it's like man Mr. Incredible can't catch a fucking break yeah. he looks exhausted yeah. in, in like the second every one, yeah. shot Fuck. so Incredibles 2 it follows on immediately from Incredibles 1. Yeah, it's a, a sequel with no break in time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, is that... So Did I use the word so immediately the incorrectly? So the events of the Incredibles 2 <laughs> happen imminently, directly after. And then there's a two-year gap and then Incredibles 2 starts? No, is that see, what you're that's saying? that's the thing. There's no two-year gap. There's no gap. Oh. It's gapless. It's gapless. A, it's a seamless... It's a gapless sequel. It's a barely there, can't believe There's it's no, not butter yep. sequel. It is. Um, a, which is cool. You don't have to mind the gap on this one because there isn't one. Because <laughs> there is no, there's gap. no gap. There's no uh, gap in time. <laughs> no, which is cool because then you, cause you see, it finished, so the Incredibles 1 finishes at the sports carnival and Incredibles 2 starts at the sports carnival immediately yep. with no yep. gap. Um, yep. <laughs> and so you see the same shot animated so again, so, so, 15 years better, and it looks amazing. Yeah. And so you sort of <laughs> makes me wish we'd maybe watched them in order because then we would have been able to actually like, oh, have an appreciation fuck. for that. Yeah. I didn't really notice it at first. No. It follows on from the first one, and so superheroes are still illegal, and Mr. Incredible is really frustrated he can't be a hero anymore, and there's a lot of sort of stuff that the movie shows you about, like how people don't want heroes, and heroes are illegal, and we don't want them because they just cause trouble. And the plot of the movie basically is this businessman comes and offers the Incredibles, hey, let me help you. I, lo- I love superheroes. Soul just, from Breaking Bad. Yes, yeah, so Soul yeah. from Breaking Bad comes in. Not a <laughs> dodgy choice. <laughs> Hearing his voice made me feel like something was going to go wrong at any moment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, this dude's shonky. When do we find out that this dude's secretly helping sell meth? Um, But yeah, and so this guy's like, oh, I love superheroes. I have all this money. Let's be honest. He's a CEO. (laughs) He is evil. (laughs) It's just that we don't see the direct action. (laughs) Take that. Um, And so um, he's like, let me help you, and I'll fund this sort of PR thing to sort of um, make superheroes look great in the public eye again. So it's this whole fucking thing, and he tries to legalize superheroes. And it's weird, because there's a real, like, I I thought that they were going for, I thought he was a bad guy. And so his slogan was, make superheroes great again. Was it? Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, right, that's that's clearly Trumpian, (laughs) right? But then it's not really. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not aiming for. The, it doesn't have the same like ideology. He's, he's yeah, not yeah, yeah. aiming for like this totalitarian, like nationalistic thing. <laughs> right, or whatever. You're like, ah, he just wants to make superheroes. Yeah, great exactly. Again. What yeah. are you talking about? Like, oh God. Oh, what have we done? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah, this film's probably been in development for ages. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Actually. Trump becomes president. He's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh God, we got to change the lines. Get Bob Odenkirk <laughs> back in the studio. This needs to change right away. <laughs> but yeah, and so the whole thing is like, well, he needs one of the Incredibles to get out there and be a superhero again. He'll put cameras on them so yeah. everyone can see them saving crime. Great. So, yeah, police-style body cams. And he yeah. picks Elastigirl. Yeah. And so Elastigirl's going up and doing her superhero thing, and Much Mr. Incredible... Mr. Incredible's chagrin. Yeah, he has to stay at home and be the, the clueless house hubby stay at home, um, dad. trying to take care that of the kids. Big old lovable doofball. <laughs> doofball? Doofball. <laughs> yeah. Move on. But he just looks fucked and exhausted in every <laughs> done scene. A, done a really excellent job making him look like he is... <laughs> yeah. He has nothing left to <laughs> yeah. give. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's just been sucked to dry by yeah. the process of fatherhood. Yeah. You gotta like, oh, buddy. Something yeah. I really liked about Incredibles 2 was how, as I was kind of touching on before, you really sort of get a lot, whole lot more of this world. And I loved seeing a lot more of the sort of old superhero kind of world and getting a, a, a feel for what that was like. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, just seeing that whole world again was really great. And I, yeah. really, I really enjoyed sort of them showing us all that stuff and a lot more of the tech that was kind of the 50s-style mm. tech. Where there was kind like... of a lot more background world-building in this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what's good in a sequel is to sort of really open it up and really sort of flesh out the movie a lot. Mm. Um, and I think if, if like, because obviously 14 years is a pretty long time in both, like, animation terms and just general societal <laughs> progression, right? <laughs> so I think if, if you made a... <laughs> wait, just wait. We'll get to the point. Um if you made a film with the level of world building that Incredibles 1 has now, people would criticize it for being kind of like shallow yeah. and hollow and whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think you, you can't get away with doing that as little as they did in Incredibles 1. I mean, maybe yeah, maybe because anim- sort of animation is so good now, yeah. animation gets less of a pass. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're, like, you're, you're like, oh, yeah, but it's animated. They, you know, they drew every frame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in, yeah, in this one, there's some incredible... Yeah. Yeah. We got an. I, oh. I just can't use that word. <laughs> there's some unbelievable <laughs> things like that they do with animation. Like there's one scene yeah. with the the sort of main antagonist, who's this like uh, his name is the screen slaver. Screen slaver. That's right. And he's like this dude in kind of like almost a Punisher style mask with just two eyes and then like a grate for teeth. And he like hypnotizes and, people with screens that are yeah, everywhere. So he like, like puts a society up a commentary thing. And so they they have a fight scene between uh, him and um, uh, Elastigirl. Yeah. That where like they're in a room that's strobing. That would have been and terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. It was terrifying in the fucking cinema. Actually, it was like quite <laughs> Sorry, a scary I, bit. <laughs> I meant like for a nine-year-old, and Andrew was like, "Yeah, no, it really was scary. Yeah, it, was, it was. It was. It was scary." <laughs> Coming from a horror movie spectacular last I'm week. Very secure in my welcome manhood, to, and that scene was scary. Welcome to Beef Station Spooktacular Part Two. Incredibles Two. <laughs> Just this tiny little scene from it. Screen yeah. fight fight sequence scene. Yeah. No. And it was. It was. I felt like that was approaching the short film. Like, look what we can do with our tech thing because yeah, just the way cool. that they were like flashing the lights on and off and all the characters like moving in such yeah. an disorienting way and I've never seen anything like that in a picture. the cinema film. had like the signs up that we went to saying like please note there's like heavy there's a strobing heavy scene. strobing in this film yeah. and uh, you always go like nah it's not that bad and, you, and it no, this played shit was and I was real. like oh Jesus yeah like, oh Christ <laughs> <laughs> I don't have epilepsy, but I might have a fucking seizure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think of the the sup- the new superheroes they showed us? I thought that Void was so annoying. Yeah, she, she was, was like so that. simpering and like an annoying caricature yeah. of a teenager. It's like, Mr. Incredible, hello. Yeah. And it really felt like, because I think Brad Bird wrote the old one and he wrote this one. It really felt like he's gotten old and bitter and it's some kind of fucking... Old Look man, weak-willed teenagers it's are. It's some like an old man commentary on modern youth, man. Because like the whole plot at the beginning of the film is like, oh, it's a superhero that controls you through all the screens that are in society today. Because yeah. there's too many screens, and yeah. we're addicted to screens. And then there's this fucking simpery teenage kind of like millennial character that was I just, just feel like so she had a bit of that like anxious awkward teen millennial yeah and it was like who is kind of who shit. is this it was like a caricature it really annoyed yeah. me that it was like that we also had 
that owl i wrote these down straight away because i knew i was going to forget them um, oh yeah there was owl man some sort of electro rush i don't remember any of the these names. aren't the actual character <laughs> names by the way Fucking owl the official, man. <laughs> the official Brad Bird what, sanctioned right, owl man, what do you do? I am an owl. Oh, it's not as if he's... I mean, he's settled for fucking Munisiburg, so owl man. He does not, not have a strong history with Electro names. Russia. Yeah, right. Electro Russian dude. Electro that, like, Russian Hulk dude. man thing. That's, uh, you're talking about Tiesto, mate. What? Electro Russian dude. <laughs> there was Void. We also had um, fucking so, okay, Reflux. Look. Um, reflux, dude. I guess you'll, you know, watch the movie if you really watch want an in-depth analysis of these but, characters. But, but the Hulk Man Owl Man is an owl. Void makes portals and can, like, drop things from one to the other. Electro <laughs> Re- Man literally just shoots electro bolts. Like, he's in it for, like, a yeah, second. Yeah, this is not um, an important Reflux character. is just, like, pensioner dressed up as a superhero yeah. that has this acid reflux and he thing. spits lava. Yeah. Brad Bird knows how to write old people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he's a bitter old twisted yeah, man Yeah, exactly. He's, just, it's, he's a method writer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like, I'm never going to put in a man with really bad acid reflux. And they're like, great joke. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm just writing because I'm annoyed because I couldn't sleep because I had acid reflux. (laughs) But this Hulk man thing um, was the only ever non-humanoid kind of character in the whole two films. Yeah, I I, I think they went a little more. They kind of took X-Men space as a free kind of pass. And yeah. they were just like, right, people are used to X-Men. We don't need to yeah, explain maybe. away why these people don't look <laughs> like normal people. Because you're right, all of the rest... Mr. Incredible is the least humanoid human yeah. in the first Incredibles and film. And the next one, it's like as big as the Hulk, one of these Yeah, characters. yeah, he's huge. Fucking towers yeah. over Mr. Incredible, um, yeah. But you see like loads of the old old superheroes in the first one when Edna... <laughs> Edna, by the way, was uh, so yeah, good. Can... Edna, Edna Mold. Mold. Edna Mold. We've been, we've been doing that for like three hours. Um, just Brad Bird just did a fantastic job. For those of uh, if you haven't heard this story, it's great. So Brad Bird was doing the lines in read-throughs and he was doing that like, no, darling, you must follow what they're doing. And, um, and they went to casting and just no one was better at it than Brad Bird. So he just kept doing the character and he's just done Edna. So oh, fucking so cool. dumb. I love That's it. A, Edna's a fashion designer that makes the super With suits. The kiss, the Thunderhead, Stratogale, Matterman. You will go up and win. <laughs> oh, it's funny shit. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I just, I thought this new superheroes were lame. And I think yeah, they, they knew that. Yeah. And so they were barely in it. They were all like a, a, a horde of sort of cronies. I felt like they, they, on a very surface level, showed some slight societal change towards the attitudes to superheroes. Because like the whole point was that these people were in hiding and had then come out of the woodwork. And they were trying to be comfortable in their skins, I guess. Yeah. But then yeah. also... They weren't particularly deep or well written, so they didn't use them much. You yeah, know, they just kind of were there, and they were like, "Look, yep, you get a general sensation from these characters." Now we don't. Yeah, really and have I to was go so happy they weren't in it very much because yeah. I kind of didn't rate them, and they I didn't think, need to be. Yeah, which is good. So I think it was good that they were there because it added a better thing. But yeah, yeah. I didn't mind that they weren't in it very much at all. Yeah, right. So, Incredibles two, closing thoughts. Yeah, what do you think? Do you like it? Yeah, we, I suppose we didn't really talk about it in very general terms. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was really, really entertaining, yep. really funny. Yep. All the new animation you saw was fantastic. Uh, all and it was... Pixar films forever going forward are going to look like they're just approaching oh. real life. They're just going to be... It's, it's like <laughs> it plasticine in, models in real it's, life. It was incredible. Yeah. It's like when you like play a, play a new video game and you're like, this is the best it gets. Yeah, and then, and then you then go back to old video games and then Tetris like, oh, 2 comes fucked. out. <laughs> it's just going to get to the point where they're going to be like indistinguishable from if there were actual yeah. models. Being no, it was, it was so much fun. How many, like how many wasn't really incredible boys out of ten would you give it? <laughs> We're not doing it. How many sizzle and steaks? No, I thought I thought it was great. I don't really think I could rate it, but no, it was it was really good fun, and can. I'm glad I watched it. <laughs> out of ten, go right now. Top of your head. <laughs> I refuse. Go. 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 Eight out of ten. No, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's interesting to rate. No, I, I thought it was it was really great. Giving it an eight out of ten. <laughs> this comes back to our old Rotten Tomatoes versus Metacritic, Metacritic I'm argument. Giving it an eight out of ten. Um, I thought and it was I would really. Recommend seeing it. <laughs> I give it a certified fresh. <laughs> you can't use that no, um, Yeah, I would I, give I reckon both films were as good as each other So I was trying to think of which one I thought was better I don't think either of them are better I think that they're both really good And they do different things really well I think I thought the first one was way funnier I really enjoyed it Somehow the, the first yeah, one I felt like agree. kind of like a dry kind of wit Yeah Whereas, and you know, every now and then there's like a, like a wacky gag, like the, where's my super suit? And that's kind of funny in a different way, but most, I just wanted to do it. Hysterical in a different way. But most. Where is my super suit? 
I'm the only greatest good Joe ever gonna get. <laughs> I'm the greatest good Joe ever gonna get. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's lots of wacky gags like that, but most yeah. of the film is this really dry kind of humor. Like um, the yeah. second film felt to me more like it was mostly those wacky kind of gags, which is fine. Yeah. But I think the first one was like really sort of dry, funny in a way where yeah. it was like, man, I don't think this would be funny to kids. I'm having fun watching this. I feel like the first one did humor better, but did social commentary simpler. Yes, yeah, so I don't really want. The second one did. <laughs> I don't really humor. care about. Well, yeah, social I don't commentary. Know. I, I feel like the social commentary in Incredibles Two is a little on the nose. My like, sensation of both was that they were both really good. And yeah, I no, they're both them. great. I enjoy them for different reasons, yeah. but I think the humor is a stronger aspect. Yeah, I guess. I yeah, I was kind of annoyed by like the screen slaver because society uses screens too much. You just got the, a bit of a chip on your shoulder about Brad Bird's approach to young people. You're, you, you thought you said Brad Pitt? <laughs> no, no, I, was oh, I to thought think that of the second half of the sentence. Um, you know, and like the don't want to fall into that pit again. <laughs> um, no, and I, I just thought it was a little on the nose with mm. like the the whole like all oh, cameras on the superhero suits to mirror society and yeah. like, no, nah. it was not covert social commentary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. they're both great yeah. though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all in all, eight out of ten. I'd agree. I'd agree. I'd agree. Funny that. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, we got a bit of news, uh, which is a new little segment that we're gonna do. So, yeah, uh, there's a new. I, I tried to go with ones that were similarly um, cartoony or um, children's kind of films. Mm-hmm. So there's a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film in the works. Jesus, really? Which no one was asking for. <laughs> um, I haven't seen except Michael Bay. I haven't seen any of the new ones. Yeah, I mean, I think was it's another one. one. No, I, I haven't. Just one new one. I haven't seen. Well, no, Michael Bay did the first new one. Is there more than one? Though? And in direct answer to your question, I don't know. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but so I, I know Michael Bay did. I haven't yeah. seen any Michael Bay. Michael, oh my god! Megabyte, 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 Megabyte. I haven't seen any, any Michael Bay films in a while, yeah. but I, I think, don't think anyone has. I I think that usually it's a lot of color and movement and really engaging shit to watch that doesn't have so any boring. sort of doesn't yeah doesn't have any sort of substance. No substance. To it at all. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, Robert Zemeckis, who's the director of what, Forest. That was that was all the news. Was it making a new one? Yeah. Fuck. I, thought I didn't co- read the article. <laughs> it's the least interesting thing. He I, is the commentary. I thought it was, it was more interesting that they're doing it than anything about the film. <laughs> I, I like this. Our Beef Station news segment is going to be headlines we read. No, this is good. Next yeah, headline. Great. No. Uh, yeah, I did delve a little deeper on these <laughs> next two. but Okay, so Robert Zemeckis, who is the director of Forrest Gump, uh, Polar Express, and uh, Back to the Future Part 2. Um, <laughs> Robert what Zemeckis, a range. director of all of the Back to the Future shit. He's the creator he? of Back... He created Back to the Future. Okay, well, in the article that like, I read, and I did not do any more research... I didn't do any more research. I thought they were directed by different... Each directed well, maybe they were, people. but in the same way as like, George Lucas is ah, the Star Wars so guy. So you're willing to no, back down on that. But in the same way as like, George Lucas is the Star Wars guy... Um, Robert Zemeckis Robert is the Back, Zim- to, the back to the Future. Okay, guy. right. Yeah. All right. Well, I didn't know that. But <laughs> the article just said part two. It's weird that they picked yeah. that. That was literally all that they said, but whatever. Okay, back to so the news, boy. Robert Zemeckis uh, is working on an adaptation of Roald Dahl's The Witches, which is. Which is. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I didn't even mean to do that. Yeah, so I think that'll be... I don't know. I didn't see BFG. Did you see BFG, the new one? The big animated one? The big the big animated yeah. friendly giant? You did see it? Was it good? Yeah, it was good. I think the last animated Roald Dahl adaptation I saw was probably like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or well, the new Willy Wonka or James and the Giant Peach. I don't know. I didn't see the yeah, new... No, they don't do them very much. I thought the BFG one was great. They do yeah. them fucking heaps considering how many books he actually wrote. Like... Roald Dahl gets adapted a shitload, <laughs> I feel. Anyway, so yeah, that that might be interesting. Um, and then, uh, obviously, last... If you found that interesting, let us know. Write in beefstationpod yeah, right at gmail.com. That's right. We've got an email address now, motherfuckers. <laughs> beefstationpod at gmail.com. I don't so. want to hear another peep out of you. It's either Roald Dahl <laughs> or fucking radio <laughs> silence. You hear me? No, please do, right? Tell us what movies you think that we should we should listen to and stuff. Pete Doctor, uh, who won an Oscar. Oh, so J- John Lasseter, um, for those of you who haven't heard, he worked on a lot of Pixar movies. He was very, very famous. He's the um, cuddle guy. He's been sent on a, yeah, he's been sent on sabbatical <laughs> by Disney um, because he would not stop <laughs> hugging people. He was a relentless hugger. 
Fuck. And he made a lot of people quite uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, there's oh, actually man. a video I was telling you about this earlier. <laughs> yeah. There's it's a like video a of like, arrives and it's he like goes a for, like, Japanese a fucking hug. CEO and he like bounds up to him. He's like a fucking golden retriever. He's I like bounding the, the sheep. Yeah. There's actually footage of John Lasseter. <laughs> then they shaved him. <laughs> they, did, they did like the motion capture. They shit him. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were funneling Japanese businessmen through the edges <laughs> every five minutes and putting John Lasseter in a big green morph suit. Shitloads of dots on it. Yeah, so he has uh, he's been taken out back behind the shed, and uh, Pete Doctor, who won an Oscar for Up, uh, and he worked on Monsters Inc. as well, he's the one who's taking over Pixar. Um, Jennifer Lee, who co-directed Frozen, is taking over the Disney animation aspect of it, and I'm not actually <laughs> Those sure are the off-brand because Pixar it's everything ones. else, yeah, right? Yeah. That's all the she's, fucking offcuts. She'll be doing Cars Four and Plane Seven. This is what you fucking get for doing Frozen, all right? <laughs> yeah, um, as a shit film. Frozen was a shit film. I haven't seen I want it. it on record. Frozen uh, you, was a you shit film. You said you've worked at that uh, childcare place. I imagine you've seen Frozen like 15 I've times, seen right? every Disney film. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I've seen never actively put an effort to see in a Disney film, and I'm pretty sure I've seen every Disney film. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. So, we'll have... I mean, Up was a fantastic movie. Monsters, both of the Monsters movies were great. So, hopefully... Um, taking over on the creative direction side of things, that he'll, it'll be good. Because yeah, John we'll Lasseter, I think, was probably really good at his job. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was great. Super if, you look, if you go back to that list and look at all the fucking John Lasseter yeah. things, it's great. So they've lost a, a really good thing there. Obviously, yeah, he made people uncomfortable. Yeah, to, he acted shittily. To, to, to be I don't, clear, cannot through, condone his actions. Through his own fault. Yeah, 100% else's. his fault. Inexcusable that hugging, that hugging demon that possessed his body and forced him to hug all those Japanese yeah. businessmen was a really yeah. unfortunate turn of events. Exactly. So hopefully Pete Doctor can um, can pick up that mantle and, and carry it on just as well. Yeah. And that was the news. That Somehow the, news. the most and least informative, informative <laughs> news broadcast of all time. Thank yep. you. Well, there you go. And we've got another segment that we'll try as well. You would think that two fuckwits talking about movies would at least have seen a fair few, but it turns out that there are a lot of very popular films that neither of us have seen. Yeah, as evidenced by the fact that you didn't know who the fuck Robert Zemeckis was. Yeah, like, and I've seen the Back to the Future movies a few times, so I don't know, I guess I just wasn't paying attention. We, we talk all the time about how, like, you haven't seen Ghostbusters. I haven't seen Titanic. Really? Still never watched it. Jesus, it's yep. actually really good. I haven't seen Greece. Oh, uh, you <laughs> you were in Greece. Yep, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I've actively not watched it, have no interest in it. Jesus. Yep. Now, those are some great yep. films. Yep. I haven't seen No Country for Old Men or There Will Be Blood, a whole list of shit. Yeah. You have, I don't know if by episode six you guys are surprised, but you have some seriously uninformed presenters. Yeah, we have some hands, gaps in listeners. our knowledge that we're uh, not proud of. Um, yeah. And... Probably not going to do anything to, to try and rectify. <laughs> I certainly am not watching Grease. But what we thought would be funny is if we looked at... Uh, so we take a film that one of us hasn't seen, that the other one has, um, that probably most people have seen, yeah. and, uh, and try to guess what happens or predict the plot <laughs> we'll based see if on we can, the yeah. poster alone. We'll see if we can give it the old patented beef station plot synopsis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Let's let's go. All right. So the one that uh, so we'll each try one, and uh, the one that I've chosen for mm. Oscar is he has not seen Jurassic Park adaptation oh of God. the Michael Crichton novel Spielberg. He's not seen a Spielberg film, ladies and gentlemen. And just for a second, Stephen <laughs> fucking Spielberg. People say he's good. I don't think he's that good. Uh, he, is he, the, he was he is good. Fine. But he is Steven Spielberg films now. are always just good. Just, they were just good. They're not anymore. No, not amazing. He's like the Cadbury dairy milk of directors. It'll he's, always be reliable. If a Steven Spielberg film comes up, he's not reliable though. You'll be like, oh, this will be fine. This will be good. This will be fine. But you watch it and you're like, you know what? But I just want a bit of spark that I could get out of any other no, director. Because we weren't born when Spielberg invented what he does now, right? We weren't. So we mm. we were introduced to Spielberg all at once. Yeah. He has not changed any of his techniques in 20 years. Yeah. Steven Spielberg's a fucking hack. He does the same thing <laughs> over and over again. He's a shitty director now. He Take didn't that. start off that way. Get fucked, Spielberg, if you're listening. Huh? We didn't How's even want your feel? help. Yeah, all right. So, Jurassic Park, which opened June 11th, I believe, 1993. Is that right? I did look up the Wikipedia article, but I can't remember, so it doesn't matter. Brief description. It's a black background. There is the logo <laughs> of Jurassic Park, which, like, really is probably no, it's, pretty it's well known. The iconic, the iconic Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Hey, I don't think you get to call it iconic. <laughs> you've not seen the fucking movie, right? So yeah. Um so yeah, it's the it's the T Rex skeleton on the red background with yeah, some palm the, trees the under big, it. The big furless dog thing. <laughs> oh boy, you're gonna have a tough time with this plot. <laughs> 
All right. Um, so yeah, let's have a go. What do you What do you reckon happens in Jurassic Park? All right. So I have seen the first five minutes of Jurassic Park. Great. Good start. Okay. Strong so start. here's what I remember. I have remember like the, a. Have you seen the, the John guy being like, nobody cares, nobody cares, <laughs> huh? You can talk about it. <laughs> no. It's perfect philosophy. <laughs> All right, you go for it. So I remember a dune buggy pulling up into a park, and then I remember like, um, like like a dinosaur pops up, and Jeff Goldblum's like. <gasps> That happens a couple of times. <laughs> and then what I've seen is that YouTube video with the melodica where he's like, Yeah, the reaction to the... And it yeah, plays yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. a really shitty version. What was that theme? That wasn't the that Jurassic Park Indiana theme, was Jones? That? That was, <laughs> was it? Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> someone, at work's Jurass- someone at work's ringtone is the Jurassic Park theme and I've now heard it 200 times the ship melodica version no like the normal one and, I, and I still kind of yeah um that's it right no so dude i don't know anything after that i would love to know if only there was some way i could find out how they get from being in the june bucky looking at the big fucking brontosaurus to to just the other the one other shot i've seen where it's like a little claw hand opening up the door and yeah, like, into the kitchen, the kitchen scene where the kid, the kids are running t- around. I didn't even yeah, know it was a kitchen. I've only ever seen the shot of the door <laughs> handle pulling it. I'm like, <laughs> so really, top of my head, what happens is here's what I imagine happens. Okay, yeah, you go right? first. Here's what I imagine happens. Everyone always says how the effects in Jurassic Park have dated really poorly, they have. and that's why the fucking scenes with the 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 chase, the dinosaurs. <laughs> chase them in like the dark and the yeah, rain um, yeah. <laughs> thanks for giving me the answers on that one you got my back um, so I imagine the film they pull up in the June buggy and then immediately Steven Spielberg is like turn off the lights get in the dark all these effects we have are not going to work in these conditions that's and right that's- it won't work if the audience can see what's going on. <laughs> the entire film, the, the whole script is written around the fact that Steven Spielberg needs it to be dark straight away. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I stopped because the video stopped and my Netflix stopped buffering or whatever. I imagine right after that, someone goes on the screen and goes, guys, aren't you guys really jet lagged? You should take a nap. And they take a nap in the middle of the day like all bad travelers do. They wake up in the middle of the night. It's raining. Velociraptor opens the door into the kitchen. and that's, where, they, where they're sleeping. That's where the movie yep. starts. T-Rex chases them <laughs> and then they whip out their camera and take that photo and use it for the poster. He's like about the photo that's on the front of the poster, which is Boom. clearly a stencil etch graphic. <laughs> Great. Right. That's okay. how Jurassic Park happens. Alright, that's the beef station version of Jurassic Park. Don't go watch it. Nope. Don't need to. You know what happens now. Yeah, if you haven't yeah. seen it, now you have. Yeah. You Sorry. The Sorry we spoiled the ending of Jurassic Park. Other famous bits with like Jeff Goldblum being like uh, you, uh, scientists were too busy thinking about whether or not they, they could. They, uh, they didn't stop to think whether or not they should. Is that that That's film? from Jurassic Park, man. Oh, yeah. what a great line. You should genuinely watch it because it's actually a really good movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's my turn. So, Andrew hasn't seen Ghostbusters. Yep. I've seen, I've, I've watched Bustin a you, lot. <laughs> you is afraid of no ghost. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm afraid of ghosts. All right, so here's the thing. My the poster I had to I had to look at was basically No, no, just, no. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. I afraid of ghosts. I'm afraid of ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, um you might like this film because I don't want to give you a bit of a hint, but they're the <laughs> ain't no ghosts in this film, boy. Um uh, so you've you've been given a lot more info here to work with. I basically had a black screen with a clip art picture of a dinosaur yeah. on it, and I had to work off my flawless um, knowledge of uh, pop culture in order to save my little hiney. You've basically got the whole plot written on the front of the poster here. Yep. Want to say what you're seeing here? It says, they're here to save the world. Well, there's the plot. Exactly. It tells oh, you that it gives, it gives you all the fucking characters. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Actually, you know. No, it really doesn't give you all the characters, which is something else that's super interesting. Gives you uh, so we're looking at the original Ghostbusters poster. If you Google that, it's what you'll find. What we're yep. looking for. I think it was like Ghostbusters nineteen eighty four or some shit. <laughs> if you want this accurate one, it's the one with the, the so there's a picture of a ghost with the no smoking sign over it. Um, <laughs> so you can't. That's smoke not a ghost. That is just cigarette smoke. <laughs> People call this Ghostbusters in the same way they call that song "Time of Your Life," but it's actually called like "Good Riddance." Yeah, this is actually called "No Smoking." This is called "Thank You for Smoking." <laughs> Um, yeah, so then it's got Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, uh, and 
It says Sigourney Weaver. That's not Sigourney Weaver. She's that's Harold. That's Harold Ramis. Yep. I guess they just needed the names there to sell the mm-hmm. fucking film. But this is Harold Ramis and uh, the black guy that no one talks about. Cause yeah, the black guy's not uh, on the poster. Yeah, he's not credited. He's no. I think he is. He's just. Oh no, that's never mind. I'm looking at Dan Aykroyd's hand. <laughs> I thought that was a character in the background. I thought they actually put the black guy like way further back. <laughs> Uh, but no, he's not on the poster. It's just the, this is, this is the three amigos. That's it. <laughs> okay, so here's what I reckon happens in Ghostbusters. What so do you know about the film? I know that... They Don't say... Bust ghosts. <laughs> no, okay. So I know that they uh, the backpacks on their backs are used to like suck up ectoplasm. And so I think that what they can do is they go and like people call them... Um, <laughs> If they... that's, that's the first half an hour of the film is this ghost ever and they're like yeah but who am I gonna call yeah. there's no people to bust <laughs> these ghosts the first half an hour is like those flashback sections of the new inventors where they're like well I just saw Bill Murray's like I saw a problem and I just <laughs> the solution came to me there was a real market niche for it <laughs> yeah okay so I reckon that uh, the first scene is Bill Murray <laughs> good start jerking it to Sigourney Weaver and it's one of those like um it's one of those like very 90 scenes where like she's he's in an apartment building in his bedroom and she's in an apartment building that's like opposite the road yeah. and he can like see into her window that's how they and used she's to do like a- <laughs> taking her little fucking clothes clothing's off <laughs> you forget the top and that's how they used to do apartments back in the 90s man it would be boy girl boy girl boy girl yeah, across yeah, the street yeah yeah so he's he's happy with that um cuz he's opposite Sigourney Weaver and so what he does is he He's he thinks, whoa, that that bird, and he's he's jerking it, and then he he comes, and and for and some they, reason the they, cum the cum is animated, and then it like slops its way out of the window and runs away. He has to call his buddies, and he's like, ah, oh, guys, my, uh, you're never gonna believe this, my jizz is animate. Um, um, Bill Murray has this little animated white blob that comes out, and it's it's so animate, so got a life of its own that it's like a little ghost wandering around yeah, the place. Bill Murray is the ghost buster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he, he busts ghosts out of him. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's what happens. Is that the rest of the story is them hunting and trying to vacuum up Bill Murray's animages. Mm. No, that's exactly it. no. I, again, I thought you said, close. I thought you said you hadn't seen it. No, I'm, yeah, I'm cheating. I have seen it. <laughs> the segment only works if you haven't seen it. Or maybe I was watching this ain't Ghostbusters, the <laughs> famous uh, porn parody. <laughs> what? Okay, I actually don't know this. What do you reckon the porn parody of Ghostbusters is? It's just called Ghostbusters. Yeah, and they just have shit. <laughs> they have <laughs> so the porn parody of Ghostbusters is like I imagine two Still cast Bill Murray. <laughs> it's two male porn stars, and they have those like white sheets with eyes with holes cut out for the oh, eyes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then a third hole cut out for their balls. You're thinking of a ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we were both spot on with our respective. Predictions. Happy to hear your feedback on that one. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's all we got time for this week on Beef Station. Yep. Thanks for listening. Uh, keep your emails flooding in. Yeah, to we're gonna, I'm gonna that email address on, again. Uh, beefstationpod at gmail.com and I'll set up a Twitter and a Facebook page. Hopefully, by the time this episode goes up, so you'll be able to great, cool, like, share. And subscribe <laughs> on the socials. <laughs> Beef station. Please don't keep it as a dirty little secret. Your tell friends your will friends. think you're cool. Tell your um, friends. Tell your friends. Thanks for listening to episode 6 of Beef Station. I've been Oscar. I'm still Andrew.